0: Who wants to talk football? We do. It's a Monday, and from our studios in San Diego, this is bonus coverage. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley, and we welcome you as we get ready to talk NFL football. We're coming out of the divisional playoffs, onto the championship games next weekend. And John, we've had a few surprises, we've had a few shockers, we've had a few blowouts along the way. Have the playoffs gone the way you thought they would?
1: Yeah, they're, they're, it's been a great weekend. I mean, I love this past weekend. We've had snow, we've had all kinds of weather conditions, a lot of storylines, a lot of drama. So this is a a fun bonus podcast for us to catch up.
0: Okay, we're going to review all four games, and then we're going to talk about what's going on off the field around the NFL. Where do you want to start? You're the one that's got the list.
1: Okay, yeah, I do. I got the list, and let's. I mean. America's team came up short in Buffalo. I think we got to start there.
0: Well, we'll talk about Buffalo, the beast of the East, no longer Cincinnati. Of all people, Cincinnati feels good about itself. Maybe going back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. The Bills bid to try to take the next step forward fails again. Cincinnati and Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, unbelievable. A really tough afternoon for Josh Allen. I think in terms of Buffalo, this has to be a massive disappointment. This has to be a huge setback. This has to be questions now being asked, why can't the Bills get over the hurdle and get to the next level, which is the AFC championship game, or maybe get to the Super Bowl? The more I thought about it in the last 24 hours, John, I, I think Buffalo just is just as emotionally drained. I think the grind of the season, I think the Hamlin situation and the near tragedy, the two games are impacted by the snowstorms and the blizzard. And then the loss of Von Miller has just really made Buffalo worn out. They didn't look like the same football team. And in terms of Cincinnati, I was stunned that they were able to go in and play on the snow the way they did. They were aggressive from the get-go down the field. Their guys ran precise routes. And the longer the game went, the more physical and more confident that they got, while Buffalo just seemed to hesitate on defense, seemed to be a step slow, did not seem to be sure of their footing. And this is in Buffalo. They play in snow. They play in rugged weather in mid-fall into December. I was just stunned that the way that Buffalo reacted to the elements and could not handle Cincinnati, equally surprised how Cincinnati came out of the blocks and were running what they run and did not pay any attention to footing conditions, etc., I think there's one other thing here. Nobody's really talked about it. I think Cincinnati was bleeping disrespected. Oh, yeah. there's. I'll tell you, there should be some conversation. Of why the National Football League announced neutral site game for the AFC championship game, if it's Buffalo, Kansas City, and we're selling tickets. And they sold the thing out in like 29 hours. Cincinnati's sitting there. We're a really good team. Why are you selling tickets to an AFC championship game and you don't think that we have a chance to be in it? I think Cincinnati was emotionally disrespected, and I think that kind of fueled their fire. And as the game went on, John, they got more confident and they got more physical, and they kicked the crap out of Buffalo's lines with the way they played. And from the Bills' standpoint, I don't understand with three Offensive lineman out in Cincinnati. Where's the blitz package? Why did do you not get into Joe Burrow's face? And they got they got mugged. They got pushed all over that field like they were in a shopping cart by Cincinnati's offensive front. So I I think not only did the Bengals play well, I think the Bengals out psyched them. And I think the Bengals were peeved and disrespected. That's one man's opinion on what Cincinnati did to Buffalo and John Riley's thoughts. Well,.
1: You know, it goes back to Joe Burrow. I mean, what a leader he is. Coming in with lots of swag, lots of confidence is what I love about him. And so his team rallied behind him. And yeah, they used that neutral site game as motivation. I mean, when Burrow was interviewed in the post game, what did he say? You know, we got to give them out refunds now, right? You know, for the tickets that were already pre-purchased. So... Take that NFL. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we've often talked about how the Bengals are the real deal. And Joe Burrow is one of the top QBs. He's going to make a bank of money next year when his contract is up. Um, But, yeah, I was disappointed in Buffalo. But you think about it, yeah, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation – all the snowstorms, I mean, they had some really tragic things going on over the over the winter. Um, and then the mass shooting at Buffalo. I mean, that whole city is fatigued. Um, so I know America's team of people were really rooting for Buffalo. It just didn't work out. Cincinnati has won five playoff games now in two years.
0: Five? Cincinnati. Small Market Cincinnati, owned by Penny Poor, Penny Pinching, Mike Brown, have won five playoff games with Joe Cool. At quarterback, so Cincinnati moves on, and Buffalo has to sit there. And now they've got to evaluate what what are we missing to get to the next step, make the next step. And you know Buffalo's uh, history in postseason is not all that good. They're just five and nine in playoff games, going all the way back to nineteen ninety five. And of course they get that, and they have the four failed Super Bowl games hanging around their neck too. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's going to be a tough winter in Buffalo, weather-wise, and I think emotionally for the Buffalo Bills, because something's not right.
1: Yeah. Have you seen the the comparisons that people were talking about online? They were saying Patrick Mahomes is like the uh, Tom Brady, and that uh, you know Joe Burrow is like um, uh, Peyton Manning, and that Josh Allen is like Philip Rivers. Do you, do you see those
0: comparisons? Could be Rivers never quite got there as good as he was, and Josh Allen's probably on that same street corner. That's that's not a bad call. Okay, let's go on to the next game.
1: Okay, so let's go talk about Kansas City because the 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 Chiefs have just been so dominant all year, but Jacksonville really showed us something. This was a competitive game for a while.
0: Well, it was competitive only because Mahomes got dinged. I don't think it was real competitive. Uh, if he were 100% healthy. But it shows the brilliance of Andy Reid or the flexibility of Andy Reid or the creative genius of Andy Reid. Kansas City, first drive, 83 yards, marches right down the field. And Mahomes is doing what Mahomes is doing. Pocket passing, scrambling right, throwing dump and runs, throwing off balance, and using all the weapons that he's got. And then he gets hurt. And I I was fearful that he had suffered a knee injury when his leg got bent as he was trying to throw the football going down. And I thought, uh-oh. And here comes 38-year-old Chad Henney, the backup, who's hardly taken any snaps in anger in years. And Chad Henney leads him on a 98-yard drive for another touchdown. <laughs> this is a guy stone cold coming off the bench, doing the exact same thing that Mahomes does. Pocket passes, moves the pocket, that's Travis Kelsey, there's Juju Schuster-Smith, and here's Pacheco running the football. And I thought to myself, Andy Reid's offense, with all those skill guys, just plug another guy in at quarterback and on we go. And then Mahomes did come back, and then Mahomes excelled even though he could not move. I think he scrambled one time for a first down and came up limping. And then from that point on, he was kind of setting cement in the pocket. He did not complete a pass outside the pocket after he got injured. Everything he did was within that confines of the tackle-to-tackle box. But, boy, they're brilliant. And Travis Kelsey, 14 receptions. You know you're going to throw to him. We're going to cover him. And we're going to double him, and we're going to put a guy over the top or drop linebackers in front. He's caught 14 passes for 195. Phenomenal, And there's just some psyche with him and Mahomes. When Mahomes moves the pocket, Kelsey moves his route to find an open seam, and suddenly the ball's there. So Kansas City's offense, even with Mahomes limited, still unbelievably dangerous. And the defense, Chris Jones had a monster game at defensive end, defensive tackle. And when they needed it, fumble recovery at the five-yard line, pass interception, next series possession game over Jacksonville not to be critical of Jacksonville I you know they learned what the second season of the NFL is all about and they hung in there when it kind of looked like maybe they're going to get blown out they hung in there and they kind of fought their way back in but the the back-to-back turnovers in the fourth quarter just killed them but Kansas City's brilliant and Kansas City's going back to the AFC championship game John for the fifth year in a row. And they got a world of experience. Now, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to practice till the tail end of the week. Uh, the only saving grace that positive comes out of this is he got hurt early Saturday. So he had really, in effect, a whole extra two days to do therapy. And I'll guarantee you, he is living at uh, Arrowhead Stadium right now in their training facility. So they've got. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to do intense therapy round the clock on the ankle and the calf. And then maybe he practices on Thursday. He has never gone in his career in Kansas City. He has never gone a whole week without practicing and just played in a game. I don't think Andy Reid wants that. I think he 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 wants them in rhythm. Wants them hot, wants them sharp. But Kansas City's just so dynamic. The quarterback and the head coach, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean they're, they're incredible. I mean what Andy Reid has cooked up, and you know we they lose what was the wide receiver is now playing for Miami. Um, Tyreek T- T- Hill. Hill, they lose him, and they're still fantastic. And isn't Kelsey like a former quarterback? So he kind of knows how to. He kind of can live inside the quarterback's head, know what the quarterback is looking for and get to that spot. But you got to give huge props to the organization. I mean, even when they get punched around a little bit, they come back. I was surprised Mahomes did come back in that game. Uh, but as far as Jacksonville goes, you got to tip your hat to Trevor Lawrence. He showed great leadership during the game and even after the game. Some of his comments, um, I thought, were really terrific. You know, he was out there, you know, congratulating his players, talking about how no one expected us to be here, and yet I think they showed something until the very end when it kind of slipped out of their fingers. They were three and eight. They were
0: three and eight at one point of the season, and I think I remember telling you at that point I said. <laughs> I'm surprised that Peterson has not made more progress. Yeah. Because they really had good start, punched the Chargers in the mouth, fell apart, and then it turned. And Peterson kept preaching, believe in us, believe in us, believe in us. And us got good. And guys were playing. They played into the second weekend of January. That's pretty impressive. But the creative juice of Kansas City is really special. Oh. Okay, let's move to what happened in the NFC.
1: Okay, so um, we've got to go to Philadelphia. And this game I thought was going to be competitive, and it really became a blowout. Only
0: word I can use to describe the Eagles at this point is relentless. They mm. just don't take their foot off the gas pedal. And I'm not going to say that— the, the Giants didn't deserve to be there because you can't take away what they did at the start of the season when they went 7-2. and two. But the reality is, John, they're 3-6-1 and one since that 7-2 and two start. And that was a pasting. And Philadelphia not only did it with Jalen Hurts, who's still playing with a gimpy shoulder, not only did it with him... But then they turned and gave the ball to their running backs, and those guys chewed up two hundred sixty eight yards on the ground every time I took her out turned around, the giants were on defense and that eagle defense does what that eagle defense does. They go get your quarterback, and they rough him up, and they make it hard for him to hang in the pocket. They had five more sacks. They got 75 sacks on the season now. Had another pass interception, and they limited Daniel Jones to 130 yards passing. And Saquon Barkley, the running back, was an afterthought because they were so far behind so early, they just had to chuck the playbook and chuck the ball down the field. Philadelphia is just unbelievable they've got every component covered run it throw it scramble with it those wide receivers are so bloody dangerous and the defense just comes to get your quarterback so
1: complete package like i said relentless i mean every one of the games over the weekend the team that won it they're dominant teams. I mean, there are no, like, Cinderella stories at this point. Every one of them are, are rock solid. But that game was such a blowout. I, I mean, honestly, by halftime, I was watching the Aztec basketball game because there wasn't a whole lot going on in that NFC divisional series. But, you know, Philly, man, you know, you got to give it up. Those fans, they're, they're big-time Eagles fans, you know, the, the, and it's, it's interesting to think about these these um, different cities, where Philly has recently won um, a championship. The Niners have recently won a championship. But, you know, Cincinnati hasn't won a championship in any sport for like three decades. So it's something. But, you know, tip a hat to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be a great NFC championship game.
0: And let's talk about the other game that they send in the other NFC team to Philadelphia to play. San Francisco. How good are they? How How tough are they? Thirteen wins in a row. The kid quarterback, the last guy taken in the draft, Brock Purdy, is now 7-0 and as a starting quarterback. Uh, they're a little bit banged up. It's going to be interesting to see what the true storyline is during this course of the week, who practices and how dinged up they are because Christian McCaffrey's got a calf issue. Uh, and I think he's going to be out for a chunk of the week in terms of practice, but they—it's not a torn calf, it's not a strained calf, it's a bruised calf. So I think he can come back from that. But Brock Purdy, uh, another picture-perfect postcard performance: uh, two fourteen passing, a touchdown. No turnovers. Brock Purdy's driver's license now says 17 touchdowns, four interceptions since I became starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I guess the the other word I can use is, is destructive because that's what happened to Dallas. They could not hold up to everything San Francisco did defensively. And those linebackers were everywhere on the field for San Francisco. Dak Prescott, two more pass interceptions. uh, Complicated. Uh, Their offense took a hit when they lost Tony Pollard with a broken leg because he made a lot of plays coming out of the backfield as a running back and as a wide receiver. Uh, But Mike McCarthy's play calls were really weird when the game was still reachable Uh, for him. With two minutes and 12 seconds to go, to punt on a fourth down when they just needed possessions yeah. and go down the field. Mm-hmm. And then for him to come up with a screwball formation on the fourth down final play of the game <laughs> and take the ball really out of the hands of his his quarterback and then throw a short pass and think you're going to be able to run laterals the rest of the way. I didn't see the Stanford band anywhere on the sidelines. <laughs> so I I I I just have questions about... McCarthy's play calling and clock management. This is a veteran coach. You should, you would think things are better. Uh, but that being said, San Francisco. I mean, Dallas ran into a buzzsaw, and I just don't know that anybody at this point in time can derail San Francisco because they have just... Really come together as a team since the McCaffrey trade, and they've just gotten better and better and better with all the skilled people around the kid quarterback.
1: It's, to me, it's just it's a phenomenal storyline. Yeah, it's incredible how well they are doing. And even that game, as it was rolling through, it was a very you know defensive dominated game for both teams. Not a whole lot of scoring, but you know Brock Purdy just kind of stayed steady, Eddie you know, didn't make any mistakes. And at some point it was going to break through. And it was that George Kittle catch that (laughs) was off his fingertips three or four times. Three times. Yeah. And he finally got that. And the the Niners drove and, and McCaffrey scores that big touchdown. So, um, you know, good on them. But, yeah, as far as the Cowboys go, that was a – I mean, that that final play has been making the rounds on social media. You know, it's kind of comedy. But even going back to the kicker, the kicker misses first field or, or extra point. It was tipped. Oh, it was tipped, that's, yeah. That's what they're saying now. But it was way off line. He, yeah. I mean, the way he kicked it, it probably wouldn't have been – you know, if it hadn't been touched, it still would have missed. But he turned the corner, you know. I think Jerry Jones talked to him before the game started. Yeah, well, he, he did come back and hit. Two field goals along yeah. the way that they needed. Interesting
0: stat, you know, is America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they are 0 and seven now uh, in divisional play, dating back to nineteen ninety five. And this is this is from the most benevolent owner in the league that pays all of us the stars. They draft well. Uh, they they made deals. They get free agents in there. O and seven, and the four and eleven. I think is the number I came up with in the last 22 years in postseason play. They have not won a Super Bowl since How about them Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, right. It's been a long time. But at this point in time, they're I think they're disappointed. They wasted a really, really good defense that they built, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what's going on with Dak. 17 interceptions now combined for the season. Just doesn't look like the same quarterback or same decision-making, or maybe he's late getting the ball there, or maybe he doesn't have Michael Irvin and superstar wide receivers. Maybe that's a piece (laughs) of the equation, although C.D. Lamb did have 10 uh, pass receptions in the game, but... They got nothing from their tight ends, and they got nothing from the other wide receiver on the other side, Michael Gallup. So they may have to do some evaluation of player personnel. And I I, I think nobody's talked about it extensively. Their offensive line was a mess. They never got their left tackle, Tyron Smith, back. Uh, They went through three different left tackles, and they signed Jason Peters of the Eagles. and He hurt his hip. He's 41 years old and looks like he's done. Um, they had problems at guard, they had problems at center, a lot of guys coming in and out of that offensive line. But but Dak making the mistakes Dak's making is kind of surprising to me.
1: Yeah, it is. But we've talked about how The Cowboys often choke, you know, and this is another example of it. And their defense played terrific in that game. So it does come down on that offense. They weren't they didn't have maybe the right guys, the right, maybe the right plays. They're going to have to really reevaluate. But how about that injury to Pollard? You know, it was very similar to the one that happened to Mahomes. And, you know, I think, broke his leg, didn't Broker he? Broken fibula. Yeah. I mean, so incredible that Mahomes survived his his uh, injury. But, um, yeah, the, the Jerry Jones is going to do some soul searching. Okay, before
0: we get to our final question, final topics on the table, John, for everybody that joins us on our live streams, our bonus coverage on a Monday, uh, our regular Hacksaw headline uh, live stream on Thursday, how can they subscribe and get access? And explain to them also the unique fans forum thing that we've set up for those who are viewing us on live stream.
1: All right, so you can subscribe on Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's YouTube page, just click on the subscribe button, and you can click on the bell to get alerts when we release new live streams. and all the video clips that we release throughout the week and you can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on all the audio only podcast platforms and yeah we do the fans forum you know every every episode this is your chance to get involved Um, just type in your comments and questions for hacksaw on either the facebook or on the youtube um, live stream we'll get them here we'll get you involved and you know even sometimes we'll kind of dig into the youtube comments and bring those forward in the fans forum and one other thing if you like sports if you like my sports talk show over
0: the many, many years here in San Diego. I have a website. It's all written. It's really different. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And you get the best 15 minutes in sports by one man's opinion columns. I do Hacksaw's mini polls on my pro football notebook. So check that out. If you check it every day, I think you'll really enjoy it. Then of course, you can join us for our bonus coverage on Monday on live stream
1: and our Thursday podcast, too. OK, Fans Forum, what do you got here for me? OK, well, we got, we got some uh, hot headlines, a little storyline going on in the NFL. It's, yeah. you, you want to talk about that first? Yes.
0: Let's start with the, I guess the word would be coaching carousel. Yeah, for sure. Okay, these these are the storylines we're going to pay attention to all of this week. Uh, and then the bye week going to the Super Bowl. Uh, We've got five head coaching jobs that are open. There are 10 offensive coordinators jobs that are open. There are five defensive coordinator jobs that are available. Uh, we're waiting to see what transpires with Sean Payton. Uh, This is his appointment book. Sean Payton's about to play. Remember the old TV game, Price is Right? Oh, yeah. That's what's going on with Sean Payton. He interviewed today, Monday, with the Carolina Panthers. We're led to believe that David Tepper, the flamboyant owner, will offer him anything he wants financially, including player personnel power. And Carolina evidently is willing to make the draft pick compensation available to New Orleans to get Sean Payton if Sean Payton wants to take the job. Uh, Peyton interviewed in Carolina today. He's going to have his second in-depth interview with the Denver Broncos on Wednesday. He met for four hours with them in the first interview last week in Los Angeles. On Thursday, he's going to meet with the Arizona Cardinals. He has also already completed his interview with the Houston Texans. So there's going to be an offer coming, maybe four offers total, and then he'll have to decide. I think he wants to decide really quickly because he wants to put his guys together, get them all signed, hit the floor running as as we get uh, to the offseason. The compensation thing, there's all different angles and versions and stories. Initially, New Orleans wanted two number one draft picks as compensation uh, for Sean Payton. At this point, I've been told that the Denver price would be a number one Denver has a number one this year from San Francisco through Miami a late pick it'd be a number one and then it'd be two number three draft picks so it'd be a one three and three for Peyton evidently New Orleans would accept that if Peyton wants to go to Denver I'm not sure if Carolina is willing to offer two number ones. I'm not sure where Arizona is as it relates to its its potential offer. Um, and I, Houston, I guess, is in the running, but I, I don't think he'd want to go to Houston because the GM, Nick Casario, is still there. And you're going to Houston, they have no quarterback at all, although they got two number one draft picks this year. So that bears watching, but the Sean Payton story is the big story because I think once that domino falls, then other things are going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's curious to see how this one's all going to break out because um – um that's a lot of picks. I mean, one number one and two threes or two number ones. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. I'm, I'm kind of hoping he lands in Denver. I mean, that's, that spot seems to make the most sense.
0: And Russell Wilson has already had a conversation with Sean Payton about come right. and fix this. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think Denver's that far away because, as we talked about prior, you got Russell Wilson. Uh, you got the heavy duty running back who got hurt, Javante Williams. You got your left tackle who will be back, Grant Bowles. You got this defense who was number one in the league for virtually the entire season. A lot of athletes there. So I don't I don't think the cupboard is really bare there as it might be some other places. Okay, next name. What becomes of Mike McCarthy? Well, right after Mike McCarthy's press conference, Jerry Jones. Held his press conference. And that was obviously front and center of the question that the the media asked. Jerry Jones says, We're disappointed. We've got to do some evaluation, but I still believe strongly in this guy, this guy, Mike McCarthy. He's 30 and 20 as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Not dominant, but 30 and 20 is pretty good in a very competitive league. Uh, But he's 1 and 2 in postseason. Uh, His career record is 155 and 97. He's had a really good career. The last couple of years in Green Bay were substandard, and he had a losing season the first year in Dallas, but they got this thing rolling along. And he's 11-10 and 10 in the playoffs, which is a pretty good record. So I don't think his job is in jeopardy. Now, I'll put an asterisk next to that, because Sean Payton is still out there, and Sean Payton and Jerry Jones have quite a relationship. But based on what Jerry said yesterday... I believe in Mike McCarthy and, you know, 30 and 20 record and all that. So I don't I don't think Sean Payton's going to Dallas. What do you
1: think? Well, it's it's kind of like what they say with you get the, um, the vote of confidence is usually the kiss of death. Yeah. Right. So is that what's going to happen here in a few days down the road? Is Payton going to suddenly be interviewing, you know, back down in Jerry World? Uh, now, the other storylines
0: have to do with the search for coordinators. And we start with the Chargers. They fired three guys, including Joe Lombardi, uh, the third-year veteran offensive coordinator. Uh, the Chargers have, have begun the interview process. And it's, it's strange. They're going after guys who are quarterback coaches, not guys that are calling plays or guys that or veteran coaches. They're going after young quarterback coaches. They're met today with Zach Robinson. Zach Robinson's a former quarterback at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Has kind of moved up the chain as an assistant NFL coach. He's the quarterback coach of the LA Rams. Bright light guy. So, Brendan Staley and his staff interviewed Zach Robinson today. They've gotten permission to talk to a journeyman guy. I'm not quite sure why. Greg Olson. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator with the Raiders for a group of years there. Uh, he was He's quarterback coach right now for the LA Rams. Um, uh, but, but he's been through the ringer. He's not had what I'd call great, great success. Uh, he was a coordinator in Miami, Tennessee, et cetera. So he's kind of a journeyman guy. So I, I, I don't know why they're interviewing him. Uh, they just got permission to talk to a tight end coach, which is kind of strange. Luke Steckel, tight end coach, Tennessee Titans, <coughs> excuse me. So they're, they're looking, but they're kind of off on a tangent. You know, Brandon Staley does things differently, and this searches differently. I think, based on what I know about Zach Robinson, I think he's ready to be somebody's coordinator. So maybe he turns
1: out to be the guy. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that they're going for these kind of smaller names. I mean, is this an example of Spanos being cheap again, that doesn't want to go out and get that, you know, primetime guy to run the offense? I don't know. But uh, but it is nice to see career opportunities for those bright lights. Yeah.
0: I'll be interested because as, as part of the Rooney rule, you have to interview Amer- African-Americans, too. And mm-hmm. they have yet Yet to go interview them, a Jim Caldwell, a f- former head coach who has had success as a coordinator. He might wind up being on that list, but uh, I still think Zach Robinson's the guy. Let's talk about the other team in Los Angeles, the Rams. Now, they have eight coaching openings on Sean McVeigh's staff because he just cleaned house. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, they have met with Mike LaFleur of the fired New York Jets offensive coordinator. I'm not quite sure what they see there because his track record wasn't really good. But before that, Mike LaFleur was with Matt LaFleur up in Green Bay. Uh, Mike LaFleur has been interviewed. They just asked for permission to talk to the Eagles quarterback coach, Brian Johnson's, kind of a highly regarded guy. Remember as Kevin O'Connell got into coaching the ex-Aztec and he was, he was a quarterback coach and then he was a wide receiver coach and then he became a coordinator and now suddenly he's a head coach in the NFL. Brian Johnson's kind of gone along that track record, starting as a really young coach, and doing a lot of different things on the offensive side of the ball, and now becomes a quarterback coach for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. So those are the two names that have kind of surfaced front and center. Sean McVay's got a lot of a lot of openings on the staff. He's going to have to sales pitch a lot of guys to come, and I wonder if that'll be a a entourage of really young guys like Brandon Staley is hired, mm-hmm. or whether Sean McVay will go get some veteran help
1: for his team and his staff? Well, you know, Jeff Hecklincy is uh, available, I'm sure, right? So uh, McVay is going to get some really bright lights. I mean, you you can count on him. He's an innovator. He's a really smart guy. He's going to bring in guys that I think can transform the Rams and really be on the front end of an innovative, um, you know, offensive and defensive scheme.
0: And the last storyline has to involve quarterbacks. And we'll be talking more about this in coming podcast. But, they're on the clock. Derek Carr, Raiders. Uh, his contract kicks into $40 million right per year right after the Super Bowl. Uh, there's a whole bunch of angles here to the Derek Carr story. One is that they're asking the agent to defer the new contract kicking in. It's supposed to kick in five days after the Super Bowl. Uh, they're asking him to defer that contract a little further out so that they can find the right team to trade him for. Now, Derek Carr's got a no-trade clause, so he can say, I'm not going there. I'll go there. So they're talking to a lot of people. Uh, I've been told Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera, very interested in Derek Carr. Uh, New York Jets, uh, they got real quarterback quandary now because they got Mike White, who finished up really strong and then got hurt. And, of course, they have the former number one draft pick, Zach Wilson from BYU, who's really faltered badly. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know what the Jets are going to do there. Uh, that's in the mix. And then New Orleans, and that's kind of strange because they had success with Jameis Winston, then he got really badly hurt. Winston's had a major knee injury, they had a fractured back, etc. cetera. Um, New Orleans is one of the three. So I'll be intrigued to see. The price tag, it's not going to be a number one. Um, I've been told it might be a two this year and a three another year out, but Raiders are not going to get number one for Derek Carr because of all the mileage on him is interesting though, and again raider management don 't throw anything out there to try to say we 're doing a great job, although the record doesn 't show that <laughs> the Raiders have 10, 10 draft picks oh. right now, yeah, ten draft picks so they 're going to get some compensation picks uh because of free agents that they lost. Mm-hmm. they got ten and if they get two picks in the Derek Carr deal they're going to wind up with 12 choices in seven rounds so I'll be interesting to see where Derek Carr winds up I still think he can play but you know his career record that's the thing that just blows me away it's like 69 and 80 that's not a super bowl quarterback so what kind of quarterback are you getting in
1: Derek Carr yeah, it, I, I like the Commanders. I think that's a really good spot for them. And you remember those press conferences with Rivera says we need a quarterback, and he was really out front, you know, criticizing his own guys. But you know, why not Houston? I mean, didn't Carr's brother play for the Texans back in the day? They don't. They, they don't have a quarterback. They've got draft picks. Maybe there's a deal there. Except they got a real high draft
0: pick. They're going to draft two, and I think the other pick is eleven. So mm. they're going to get one of those quarterbacks. Can you say? C.J. Stroud, Mm. uh, with maybe the number two pick. Or maybe they flip-flop and they actually get the number one pick from Chicago and it becomes Bryce Young. Mm. So they're going to have... A shot at one of the elite quarterbacks at the top of the draft board, but this is a storyline we're just telling you what's what's transpiring this week, and something we'll be talking further about as uh, as we march down the road. Okay, time for fans forum. Fire away. Who's in line? Okay, so here we go. And this is uh, from Brett Shepard. He says the Bills were pretenders. Bills ran out of gas, and I just I I just think they were worn out. Are they pretenders? No. Um, I. I just think for a wide variety of reasons, it just emotionally, we're not the same team. And I don't know if if the loss of Von Miller changed their defense. They were not as vibrant the back end of the schedule as they were at the first half before he got hurt. And I just think the emotional wear and tear of of the Hamlin near tragedy and the snowstorms and the travel and the suspended game. And maybe they have to learn to cope with pressure. That's the other factor in the equation, because now two years in a row they've failed to get to the divisional finals. They've got an awful lot of talent on that team, but it hasn't been very consistent. And then you add into the equation, Josh Allen's turnover factor this year was much higher, much greater than it had been in the past. Your
1: thoughts? I mean, yeah, I think you got to look at Josh Allen because athletically, the guy is fantastic. But you just wonder if he has the leadership skills. You know, is he at the same level as a Joe Burrow? I don't think he is. And is that something that he can develop so he can lead his team? Because remember in the game, it wasn't that Diggs was kind of really frustrated with oh, Josh Allen.
0: They had a meltdown on the sidelines, and Diggs had a meltdown in the locker room. I mean, Diggs is a vibrant player, and Sean McDermott refused to criticize Diggs, but Diggs just goes off. It's like Terrell Owens, and now it's suddenly it creates a distraction. Oh, yeah. Just do your bloody job and hope <laughs> he'll get the ball to you, etc., and it, didn't. it has not happened in some of these crunch time games. So I don't know that is a pretender. I just think that Buffalo's got some internal issues here. I don't know whether it's psychological or whether it's just a, it's a manpower thing, but huge disappointment on the
1: Niagara Frontier tonight. I'll guarantee you that. Next question. Okay, so this one here is from Mar, uh, from Mark Lindsay. He says Kansas City owns the AFC West, but it's a weak division.
0: Well, it's a division. It's got quarterbacks.
1: Uh, I mean, you've, you've,
0: obviously, you got Mahomes and you got Russell Wilson, who might get rejuvenated. Find the Fountain of Youth if Sean Payton becomes his head coach, and Justin Herbert is an absolute unequivocal winner. I don't know what the Raiders are going to do at quarterback once the Derek Carr trade goes away, but uh, it's I, I, I. there's no doubt Kansas City is far and above better, more creative, and deeper than anybody in the division. And they're not going away. And I, I do think the Chargers are close to being a pretty pretty good playoff team. They're not there yet. Have to learn how to win and I think that's a piece of the conversation in any of these clubs, you know, whether it's Jacksonville or whoever, you gotta learn how to cope with the second season where the pressure is ramped up and like I say, Chargers only won one game against a team with a winning record. Ooh. You gotta learn how to win in the second season and obviously they've not so. but Kansas City owns the division right now and you go if you go, pull up on Google, the Kansas City roster, and look at the guys that Brett Veach, that general manager, has brought in for Andy Reid to implement. It's absolutely amazing. And John and I, we argued back and forth in September what's life after Tyreek Hill going to be like for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. When well, we found out, because Kansas City is still going to play in the AFC Championship game, because that GM got Andy
1: Reid more tremendous
0: athletes to plug into his system.
1: Yeah, we we thought that the AFC West was going to be one of the top divisions in the entire mm-hmm. NFL. And then Denver ended up being a train wreck. The Raiders were awful, the Chargers were disappointing. So yeah, it did turn out to be kind of a weak division, but you know, we'll see what happens next year. Okay, final question here on our fans forum segment. Okay, let's see what we got here. And uh, let's go look at some of these YouTube comments and got change this around. And uh, this is in response to the um, Washington Commanders mess. Yes, cuz you had you had the the Spano scorecard over his entire history. Now look at look at Snyder here. How about Dan Snyder's report card? 23 years ownership, 166 226 and 2 records, 6 winning seasons, 9 head coaches, 4 NFC East titles, 0 Super Bowls, playoff record 2 and 6, one rebrand, and numerous scandals and millions of alienated fans. I mean, what a mess. Well, I keep waiting for the franchise to be sold and it
0: has not happened yet uh the story broke last week that jeff bezos the billionaire did not make an offer for the team they're having enormous problems with their stadium they can't get funding from any of the three states maryland virginia and the district of columbia will not give funding to the washington franchise as long as daniel snyder owns it so they've got to sell it it is a mess. They've gone through a lot of head coaches. They've made a lot of mistakes. They're, they're they have a quarterback nightmare that is probably as bad as anybody around the National Football League, and nobody's talking about the mess. But you just you just think back to the quarterbacks that they've run through. they starting with Robert Griffin III, Third, mm-hmm. who Daniel Snyder demanded the draft, and he got hurt and he busted out and failed. So you go from all those quarterbacks, the tragedy that is Dwayne Haskins, to the mess they had with Carson Wentz, and et cetera. So Washington's future is ahead of it, hopefully with the new owner. I feel bad for Ron Rivera because I I think he's coaching in just a horrible situation.
1: Yeah, it is tough for him. I mean, Rivera's a good guy. He was here in San Diego for some time. But the Redskins, well, not the Redskins, the Commanders, but when they were the Redskins, they had such a great history. And so many great players in the 80s, they won three Super Bowls. Bowls. and just to see this franchise take a turn for the worse is kind of sad for the NFL.
0: Well, if you look at the coaches, you know, while you're out Googling, yeah. look, at, look at the history of coaches that Spurrier has hired, Spurrier, Daniel Snyder has hired, mm-hmm. and whether that's Marty Schottenheimer, who he ran out of there after one year, or Steve Spurrier, who failed miserably, and uh, the whole entourage of guys, his, his ability to pick people has not been very good either, so real tough situation. Hey, listen, we thank you for joining us on our bonus coverage. We hope you've enjoyed our commentary on the NFL playoffs. Be with us Thursday for our regular podcast. And again, go to my website, lehacksawhamilton.com, Check out what I write every night of the week. And obviously, subscribe uh, so that you'll get the alerts when we post things. John, have yourself a great week. We'll catch up to you come Thursday. Looking forward to it. Have a great day. Thanks for being with us. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.